Are you looking to expand your brand this year? Want to make your business stand out above the rest? Well, there's no better way to grow than with your own podcast. Whether you're an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, a small business, or a massive company, you need a podcast in 2024. Podcast Plus is an easy and efficient way for you and your brand to join the podcast revolution. There's no better way to position your company as the go-to authority than with a podcast that showcases your industry knowledge, insights, and expertise. The studios at Podcast Plus are state-of-the-art with top-of-the-line production quality. And if you're just starting out, Podcast Plus offers professional script writing, editing magic, and can conceptualize your show, create your cover art, and get you ready to stream on all major platforms. We'll market your podcast as well, showcasing it on radio stations and digital streams across the country. Expand, enhance, and extend your company and brand and reach potential clients and customers 24-7. Find out more at podcast with the K, P-L-U-S.com. That's podcast with the K, P-L-U-S.com. From the cold and dark depths of the secret dungeon somewhere deep in the remote Pacific Northwest, I am Jeremy Scott, and welcome to the program again on this Saturday evening, somewhere between abnormal and paranormal. Tonight, I'm going to share a little bit of a personal story here first. You know, I once was a magician. I don't know if I've shared that with you, uh, the audience, before, but I once was a magician. I actually started as a clown. Uh, and and I wasn't a very good one. Some might actually uh, say that I'm that I'm still a clown, but uh, as it is, uh, you know, I I love the science tricks. Uh, those are the ones that uh, that really anyone can do, right? And it appears to be magic because the audience doesn't know that it's science and it's it's an experiment that can be replicated. And of course, I love the illusions as well. And when I was a magician, I did my share of card tricks as well. I would perform at fairs and at festivals and at parties and at private events, uh, many retirement homes. In fact, that was always interesting because the audience would seemingly fall asleep, especially when they booked me right after dinner. (laughs) The attention spans are really, really short at that point. Now, I know one or two of these mentalism tricks, these magic tricks, right? But I cannot do nor would I ever claim to do what someone like the amazing Kreskin can do because I can't actually read minds. The amazing Kreskin is world-renowned. He's a world-famous mentalist. He's correctly predicted outcomes for the economy, sports, politics, Hollywood, technology, and more And uh, some quite extraordinary, in fact, I might say, he's been reading minds and tilting tables and doing all sorts of that for decades. And Kreskin is back. He's got a new book, The Adventures of the Amazing Kreskin. He's also had a television series, The Amazing World of Kreskin. He's got his own board game by Milton Bradley, about 20 published books, and a major motion picture inspired by his work. I want to welcome into the paranormal the amazing Kreskin. Jeremiah, it is great to hear from you. Uh, by the way, I've been interviewed thousands of times. I want your listeners to know this, but this is, you know, I almost feel like that I'm being interviewed by someone from either outer space. I mean, I, I love the subtitle you have somewhere between the abnormal and the paranormal. You sound like one of the special people in broadcasting, and the best way I can underline it is you sound like a real character, and I find it damn refreshing, Jeremy. (laughs) That is such an honor, Kreskin. It really is, and somebody from uh, your stature as well. I mean, what a life you have lived. Looking back on it, um, literally, it is amazing. You know, know, Jeremy, it's it's interesting you you mentioned that, and uh, I'm only going to uh, allude to... uh, uh, to him uh, very, very briefly, but uh, we lost uh, um, a, a very fine broadcaster. He's been retired for a few years now, Larry King, 
who I, I remember starting out with during the early days uh, when, he, when he was first on radio, because he used to be on radio uh, five hours a night and what have you. And uh, I, I'm just afraid right now, having done as much, and I don't mean this uh, sour grapes, I don't mean it that way, or that I know it all, because I've, 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 I've claimed for a long time that I, I have a tremendous amount of knowledge about nothing and know very little about everything else. So I, I don't want to, uh, but I'm always searching. Uh, I, I remember one of the great quotes, and he's been quoted by many, many scientists through the uh, decades uh, about Albert Einstein, and one of his philosophies of life is that we are losing something in life if we've lost our imagination. He considers it one of the most powerful forces that mankind can have. But I, uh, my career has been... You know, having done 88 Carson shows and uh, uh, just having celebrated a few weeks ago my 86th birthday, uh, I'm I, the airline industry announced a year, a little over a year ago, before that the government. I'd like to say I, it would be terrible to say the disease. I would say more like the politicians and so forth shut down air travel. Uh, but I, uh, uh, I, uh, the airline industry announced two years ago that I've flown so far a little over three and one half million miles so literally around the world and back Kreskin. <laughs> yeah and the uh, and the interesting the stories uh, that my the current book which i appreciate your mentioning and i can i can let folks know how to get it if they're going to get it legitimately if they're going to rob it then they got to do it in a very and i got to be i got to cover all bases when i'm talking to you because this sounds and I, I don't anyone misunderstand me but talking to uh, to a Jeremiah sounds like either a religious experience or some outer space event. Either way, that sounds absolutely fascinating. <laughs> That's all I could. You know, you know, Jeremy. If we can't, and I have a feeling you would agree with me because uh, when I I can mention seven comedians now who are very bitter about what's going on because we if we can't laugh at ourselves in this day and age that our culture, and I mean our entire culture, is in gigantic trouble. And that's a big part that I sadly left out of your bio, is your comedic wit is brilliant at times. Well, there are right now there are eight very famous comedians who have uh, announced, uh, one of them started two years ago, that they would never work in a university again. And that's an astonishing, I've done over a thousand university shows in this country and in Canada as I've traveled and I've traveled all over the world but the reason is and hear me young, young folks and I know you don't know history and bear this in mind it was said when I was a kid by philosophers if we don't learn from history we tend to l learn history over again and right now and I'm not going to mention the universities some of the major universities if you are a comedian and going to appear there, you must supply your entire script to the university ahead of time so they can edit it. Where in God's name have we ever heard, as these, as these comedians, I know one of them personally very well, who's been on television for years, saying, Kreskin, we ad-lib, we're spontaneous and what have you, and then I remind young people when I'm performing for them that when I was a little kid, and it was the end of the Second World War, and I could go to a movie theater across the street because to get to the movie theater where I could see for 15 cents, you know, a, a Western and then another movie, a second movie, and then a, a newsreel and the news, it was about uh, 10 steps from my, the front door of my house. So I saw a lot of, lot of great movies. But I remember as a kid, it was the end of the Second World War, and seeing scenes of President Franklin Delano Roosevelt who fought against Hitler and, and, and the uh, other enemies uh, during the war. And you could see him sitting there, even if you didn't hear him, and his mouth was open, he was hitting his knee, he was laughing like anything, because there was Bob Hope sitting next to him, mocking everything in sight, similar things that Milton Berle did and Burns and Allen's and what have you. And today, for people to be criticized because they're satirized or, or mocking something, they're in serious, serious, well, let's make it more very serious trouble because humor is one of the, one of the tools of war. Yes, and satire is definitely a 
form of comedy. It should be taken as such, and and people should be able to take a joke even when someone doesn't have a smile on their face. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's a uh, it's it's become it's become a situation now. Who would have ever thought that people would be censored? For by the way, uh, the the word picnic has now been researched, and there's going to be attempts in universities and in public forum situations to erase that word because it has a very bad background. It turns out three or four hundred years ago, it was used for some God knows what it was. I don't even know. I don't even care. And to say now that we can't use that word, I consider, Jeremiah, and I've been, I've been, I've been quoted all over the place, including, believe it or not, in Saudi Arabia, and uh, where I performed off and on for five and a half years and other parts uh, of the world. But... Uh, I uh, my I, I want to be quoted, and I want it to be known that I would consider one of the greatest insults anyone could administer towards me. They would insult me if they called me if they said I was politically correct because I am not. Nor should you be. That's what sets you apart. Have you seen anything quite like 2020, Kreskin? No, uh, that that's that's a that's a, Jeremiah. What makes my some of my writings fascinating? I've written. <laughs> my current book, excuse me, I've written uh, uh, 21 or 22 books. So the current one is The Adventures of the Amazing Kreskin. But uh, uh, the books have not been fiction ones. I'm, I'm not a good fiction writer, but they've been experiences that I've had. Uh, they want me to write a book on the five and a half years off and on of Saudi Arabia because it reads like an adventure story. But And, and the other thing that I've kept <clears throat> quiet, and now it's coming to the to the surface because people are asking me in my performances more and more. They want to hear more about my career and the background and what have you and how it started and what what evolved from it. Starting, you know, I was starting as a magician and then I became interested in the mind and what have you. So the, uh, the what what it's, it's now become known that I have been called in in my career because we all have to. We all should give something back in life for our success, whether we give it to family, uh, friends, relatives, uh, science, or uh, or the general public. But I've been in my career called in so far on 86 crime cases. I'm not a, a policeman. My, my brother was a policeman 20 years. <coughs> Excuse me. There's a little bit of dryness in the air. But, but I, I, I don't mean that I've solved every case. Don't misunderstand me. But in about a third of them, and a couple of them are alluded to in my book, my current book. About a third of them, I was able to bring forth information that had been repressed uh, by the uh, witnesses and even by police who couldn't quite grapple together the true scenario and was able to break the case. So my life, Jeremy, has really been an adventure, I, I have to say, and I'm, I'm very proud of it. It sounds like a, like an amazing adventure. And are you still actively performing, Kreskin? I am not only actively performing, even with everything shut down and very little uh, flight travel going on and what have you, now I am performing in private scenarios where, you know, uh, we can't meet with uh, was inter interesting, <clears throat> interesting touch to our politicians. And by the way, don't anyone misunderstand me. It sounds like I'm maligning politicians I, 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 and so forth. I. I'm not taking any political position publicly. I, re I remember Johnny Carson, uh, and, I, and I did 88 shows with him. I could go on for hours wow. and tell you stories about the incredible experiences I had. But he had a rule. He didn't attack politics directly. He had fun with politicians, what have you, because he said, he, and he was a very wise man. He, he said half of those people looking in could have voted for the person that I may be criticizing. And uh, today... Uh, you, you see actors uh, uh, condemning per current presidents, last presidents, what have you, and so forth. Well, if you did that during the days of MGM, Paramount, uh, 20th Century Fox, and so forth, you would have been out of a job in one week and not been able to get work ever again because the Hollywood was there to sell a product to the general public and entertain them, and they did not want to antagonize half their audiences. It's a lesson that we're not learning today. But I, and by the way, again, I am not knocking, pol I have nothing against politicians. I just wish that most of them had been on the Titanic. <laughs>
Ah, God bless you. Who were some of your influences? Well, that's that's interesting because first of all, I did do uh, eighty-eight Carson shows. The the legitimatized list of appearances say sixty, sixty-one, and so forth. And I won't go into it now, but uh, Johnny was very, very bitter, and wouldn't, and we could not bring up NBC to him when we were on the air. Privately, we could, but the four-letter words would be out of control, because don't you know, they, as happened with many other shows in the early days of broadcasting, they erased all the shows he did in the first year or two of his television series. Can you imagine losing the first appearances of famous guests that came on the show, and they were gone for good. So, so it, 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 you know, it's a, it's a whole, uh, but, but Carson was very important to me. Uh, 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 Mer, Mer, Mike, uh, Merv Griffin, with whom I did over a hundred shows, Mike Douglas, whom I was made a regular on off and on through the years, my, my own series and, and what have you. Jimmy Fallon's been, Jimmy Fallon, uh, idolized Carson. And I have to tell you the first time I did his show, his staff said to me, uh, Kreskin, <clears throat> we're sending a lim- limo to pick you up at your house. I'll bring you into the city from New Jersey. Uh, we're going to meet you. Uh, we'll be. We'll meet you downstairs. And I said, well, okay, that that's fine. I've done lots of shows at NBC, what have you. So I arrive in New York City, and it's late afternoon because the show, of course, is is, is recorded earlier than than the evening. Carson always recorded it earlier in the day, but this was late afternoon. I get out of the car. I walk over to the NBC building, and there's two men out there and say, Creskin, uh, we're, we're Jimmy Fallon's producers. We'd like to welcome you. Can we uh, bring you in to the dressing room area? I said, well, fine. It's nice that you're here. They said, Creskin, uh, uh, Jimmy Fallon would like you to see the set in which uh, he performs because we understand that you worked with Johnny there and I said yes I did for years before he went to LA and then he'd fly me to LA. Now I come on the set and Jeremiah you got to understand because uh, I'd been doing the show off and on for years there and before I moved to LA and they flew me out there. I walk on the set and I, I got very deeply moved. I said you know I got to tell you over here to the right of the desk that's when I did this with 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 Johnny. And then another time, Johnny and I walked, and I went all over the place and told stories. And they said, you know, Kreskin, uh, Jimmy wants, wanted you to remember because it, it, it means all, Carson meant so much to him. So I go on the air. It's my first appearance. with, And then I find out during the break that uh, Jimmy idolized Carson. And I said, come over here, Jimmy. I think this is after the show. I said, come over here. We walked to one end. I said, do you know, I did right here on this show, right exactly where we're standing, something with Jimmy Fallon, that when they called me a week before and said, what are you going to do on the show? What do you need? I said, well, this, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do with Jimmy Fallon, so I'm going to need his participation. When NBC found out about this, they called my office the next day, and uh, not, not the Fallon show, but NBC, the network, said, uh, this we can we speak to Kreskin? I said this is he speaking right now. They said, uh, Mr. Kreskin, you uh, plan to do this with Jimmy Fallon? I said yes. They said you're not to do it. Please understand, you're not to do it. Well, I said okay. I you, you know you don't argue with uh, NBC, the Catholic Church, or the Pope of Rome. So I said of course I, I won't do it. I get a call four or five days later from Jim uh, Jimmy, and and he says to me, uh, Kreskin. I understand you got a call from NBC. I said, yes. He had some words, and he said, uh, we're going to do it anyway. You come in early as you wanted to come in. Let me explain this now. So a week or so later, I come in the night of the show. I walk into the uh, to the studio, and I say, uh, Jimmy, uh, uh, you're, I want you to come into the studio. I'm going to explain to you what I'm going to do. This is not some trick. It's not rigged. He says, I trust you completely. Then I told him the story. I said, let me tell you the night that NBC called me and said, you're not to do this with Johnny Carson. He said, yeah, I heard that they banned you from doing it. I said, Carson, call me on the phone, says, 
you're going to come in an hour before, two hours before the show. We're going to do the thing. And then he had some words for uh, NBC that I won't repeat, Jeremiah, because they're technical words that are four-letter words found in books. We won't go into it right now. So anyway, so I explained Thank you. to Johnny what I'm going to do. I said, Johnny, I said, Johnny, listen to my voice. Uh, your eyes are going to close. I'm, just, I'm, in his, I'm in his dressing room, by myself in his dressing room. I said, this is going to happen. It's going to happen, so forth. And then when I count to 10, your eyes will open. So 10 minutes later, his eyes open. And now comes the show. I'm the guest on the show. And I, I walk on, and we're standing there. And Ed McMahon doesn't know what we're going to do because we didn't do any rehearsal. There was no time for it and everything else. So I said, uh, Jimmy, trust me. He says, whatever you wish, Kreskin, you can take over now. I start counting. Jimmy's eyes close. And I said, your body can't bend. Ed, if Jimmy starts to fall, catch him. He says, you're goddamn right, I'll catch him. He said, he, I think he thought to himself, what the hell is Kreskin talking about? So Johnny's, uh, uh, Johnny's body starts to sway back, back, and Ed McMahon catches him. And I said, those two chairs, put his head on the one chair, his head and shoulders, put his feet on the other chair, nothing under the middle of him. Well, they, the NBC was a nervous wreck. You could see some of the officials standing off camera watching. And I said, Bette Midler was a guest on the show. I said, Bette, come over here. She says, no, Kreskin. I said, Bette, please come over here. She says, I, 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 I'd rather not. And finally, Fred DeCord over the producer says, listen, Bette, you go over to him. Come over here, Bette. She walked over and I said, sit down. I didn't say sit in the chair. I didn't say sit in his head or his feet. I said sit on the middle of him where there was nothing under the middle of him. And she sat there and lifted her legs up. And by the way, that that was photographed by a, a photographer I had brought in. And Carson didn't usually allow photographers. And it became the centerfold of Parade Magazine all over the Western world. When it was all over and we lifted her off of him, and we slowly lifted Carson. I counted from 10 back to 1. Carson's eyes opened. He said, and he said, I would have sworn it was a baby you put there. He said, you mean she sat on me? I said, yes. we got to hold that thought with the amazing Kreskin. I apologize, but we are at the break. We'll pick that back up. One of Kreskin's uh, famous quotes, the inspiration for our program tonight. Even now, I know what you are thinking. I'm Jeremy Scott with the amazing Kreskin. We'll be right back. Stream us on your favorite apps from anywhere in the world, anytime, day or night. Into the Paranormal with Jeremy Scott. I'm Brad Bernards with Paranormal News. Like its parent nation, NASA needs to prioritize bridging divides, the agency's outgoing chief said, according to reporting in Space.com. Jim Bridenstine served as NASA administrator from April 2018 through the inauguration of President Joe Biden. What an amazing experience it has been. Uh, this was, this was uh, you know, a, a, a job of a lifetime. I don't know how I will ever match it again for all of my years. Uh, but but I will tell you, um, the amazing people at NASA, uh, you can't be replaced. You're the best. And uh, I'm just so grateful uh, for all of the, the great experiences, the hard times, but also the great accomplishments and the things that we were able to achieve together. So with that, I say farewell. He said that his successor should strive to bring the agency together as much as possible. That unity and shared sense of purpose should be fostered across NASA, with people throughout its various sectors buying into the agency's long-term goals, rather than fighting amongst themselves for budgetary primacy in a zero-sum game. NASA's Parker Solar Probe spacecraft kicked off the new year with another close approach to the sun on Sunday as the sun's activity picks up from a lull when the probe launched. Space.com reports that 2021 will mark a busy year for the spacecraft, which will conduct a total of four close approaches to the sun, 
plus two Venus flybys, necessary steering maneuvers that will also allow the spacecraft to collect some bonus science observations. The 11-year solar cycle governs both the sun's activity and its influence around the Earth and across the solar system. There's more news at ParaAbnormalRadio.com. I'm Brad Bernards, ParaAbnormal News. The amazing Kreskin. The amazing Kreskin. The amazing Kreskin. Kreskin. Please welcome the world's greatest mentalist, the amazing Kreskin. I want you to concentrate. Uh, As I'm speaking to you, I'll jot down my impressions on this pad. Does the initial C ring a bell? Yes or no? Yes Yes. or no? Is that the the initial of the dog? Yes. Did the dog's name be Cody? Yes. Thank you very, very much. I appreciate that. Let the backs of your legs touch those chairs. The backs of your legs touch those chairs. You're going to all momentarily, I didn't do this with you earlier, find yourself sitting down. Don't worry. There he goes. There it's happening already. Close your eyes, all of you. The rest of you are standing. And that's how fast you start getting pulled back, pulled back, 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 back in the chair. Your knees are bending. You let your knees bend. You're there you go. Sitting down, sitting down, sitting back, back, back. All the way, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. All the way, back, 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 back. And I always like to leave one who doesn't respond. That's the power of a suggestion. All right, folks. Thank you, everybody. All right. From the cold, dark depths of a secret dungeon, somewhere deep in the remote Pacific Northwest, you're traveling into the paranormal with Jeremy Scott. know what you're thinking our guest tonight is the amazing kreskin author of the adventures of the amazing kreskin recapping a performance on the johnny carson show in which uh, johnny apparently is a fainting after having been hypnotized i think that's where we're headed well i use the i use the power suggestion to lock his muscles and uh he uh, never forgot that incident as a matter of fact don't you know when I appeared with uh, Jimmy Fallon, my first appearance with him a few years ago, I said, uh, this is where I did that with Johnny Carson. And Jimmy said, Kreskin, then you're going to do that with me the next time you appear on the show. And don't you know, the next time I came on with uh, Jimmy Fallon, he said that to the audience, I, I want to tell you something. I've asked Kreskin to do something that some of you may have seen him do with Johnny Carson. And he says, go ahead, Kreskin. I started counting. His eyes closed. His body got rigid. They stretched him between two chairs. I didn't have anybody sit on him. It became a memorable night because I picked up another chair, climbed up on the chair, stepped off the chair, and stood in the middle of Jimmy Fallon. And that's the way the, the picture came. And by the way, I got to tell you, you'll get a kick out of this, having been a former uh, uh, magician, so-called magician. But I have a feeling this guy was off his rocker when he was performing, which made you more entertainer. And Jimmy, I think that made you more of an entertaining guy. But anyway, all kidding aside, so uh, when I'm in Johnny Carson's uh, office, and his, when they brought me there, this is to, before I did the test with Carson that, that, uh, that afternoon. They were nervous, and it turns out Carson had a rule, and everybody knew it. He never allowed a guest in his office before the show. Never, never, never did. And the reason was, and a lot of people in broadcasting today say, my God, you've taught me a lesson. His feeling was, you meet someone you've never met before or have met before, you're talking, and they'll say something that's funny, a funny line. And Johnny would like to say, hey, use that on the air. It's funny. Well, it's not funny on the air when it's used again. It comes out artificially, and Carson wanted everything to be spontaneous and honest, so he didn't allow that. And by the way, it got in the press three months ago. There were two exceptions. There were only two people that Carson ever allowed in his office before the show. One was Orson Welles, and the other was yours truly. What an honor. And so how do you do it, Kreskin? Well, let me tell you, you'll get a kick out. You're going to get a kick out of this. I'm leaving. Carson's I'm leaving I'm leaving Carson's office because I'm going to my dressing room I'm going to be on with him doing this special test between two chairs and as I look over and I see a deck of cards on a table I said Johnny because he's in the office by himself he's a small round table a bare light bulb over his head he was obsessed with the monologue of the show the, the his opening monologue he would call his 
his writers in early in the morning and say, hey, there's a story in such and such a newspaper, story about this issue. Do a joke about that. I want to do a kidding about it. And, uh, and I said, uh, so he sat so in this room with just the script of the, of the, car, uh, of the uh, monologue on this small table there. I said, you got to take a card. I said, don't tell me you're still doing magic. I understand that you stunk as a magician. He says, I didn't stink. I just wasn't that good. I said, let me show you something. And we shuffled the deck, we laid the deck there. I said, name a card, Johnny. And he named, let's say he named the eight of spades. I cut the deck and said, here's 21 cards. He kind of told up and said, oh, my God, it's 21. I said, turn over the 20, the 21st uh, first card. And there was the, uh, the eight of spades. So he got so fascinated, listen to this story, that after this thing with him between two chairs, the next time I was on, it's still New York, I think, then, I come on the show. And it goes to a commercial break. He says, Kreskin, come over here. And I told myself, sure, am I, what, what's he talking about? We're not on the air. They're going to commercial break. I come over to his desk. He pulls the chair at his desk out from under the desk and pulls me onto the floor and said, sit on the desk with me, under the desk. Nobody could see us. The guests sitting next to us couldn't see us. The camera crew didn't know what was going on. He puts a deck of cards on the floor and says, Kreskin, Nine of hearts, cut to it. And I had to do this three or four times, and I did it eight times in the appearances I did with him after that night. It obsessed him. And when, after he retired, I met with Fred DeCordova and some of them and, and, and NBC in, in L.A. when they were working out there. The show was off the air now. They said, what the hell was going on between you and Carson? I said, he was obsessed and wanted me just to show, do this with him for eight appearances in a row under the table. <laughs> I mean, 88 shows. Did anybody appear on Johnny Carson as much as you, Kreskin? I I don't know. I think there may have been one gal that did. But let me tell you what you don't know about him. And uh, very special in, uh, in my life. When Johnny left The Tonight Show... Um, and he went to L.A. and was on late at night. So a lot of college students were watching him. I was of college age then, but I was still I was touring already, and I, I was going to college part time because I couldn't go full time. I was performing everywhere, but uh, he was on late at night. And Steve Allen took over. I don't know if you remember Steve Allen at all, uh, uh, Jeremy, but uh, he was a remarkable man, and he took over the show. Uh, no, wait a minute. When Johnny took over The Tonight Show, Steve Allen left The Tonight Show. I'm sorry. Steve Allen was on first, left The Tonight Show, and went to L.A. and had a late-night show. Johnny was now on for the legendary lengthy period, those years that he stayed on the show. Now, Steve Allen is in, is in L.A., and I, never, I didn't meet Steve Allen. Now, I'm performing mainly in the East Coast, and, and I do local TV shows there, but the general public around the world or the nation doesn't know who I am. They see me occasionally on TV shows. And Steve Allen, who's now left The Tonight Show, he's in L.A., hears about me. And he says, let's bring Kreskin on. Let's bring him on. So they fly me out to L.A. Hear this story because I'm in L.A. and it's nighttime and the show's on later than Carson. And I said to the crew, you know what? I never met Steve Allen before. I admire him. He's written some wonderful books. He's a great humorist. Better than I not meet him before the show. I'm not going to do a trick. I'm going to do something with the mind. Uh, they said, we understand, young man. That's fine. So now I, I'm going to go on the air. And Carson found out by looking at, I guess, seeing TV Guide that a mentalist was going to be on the Steve Allen show. So when he, after he recorded in the daytime, he comes home and he's sitting with his wife and he's watching Steve Allen. Now Steve Allen says, this young man has a gift. You're going to be very interested in what he does. Would you welcome Kreskin? It wasn't called Amazing. That's a name Carson gave me years uh, uh, later. So now I am walking on the show, and in those days the lights were very hot in television. And I'm walking across the stage because Steve Allen is at the other end, standing on a dais. But in front of me is the mobile camera that they're rolling along, and it's got lights all around it. And like know-it-all, sure, know-it-all, I didn't know any better. I'm looking at the camera endlessly, and the lights are blinding me and blinding me. And so, Jeremiah, I get near Steve Allen's desk. 
trip over the desk and fall flat on my face on the air. My family considers that the highlight of my career. Well, Steve Allen didn't mock me. He says, you're all right and so forth and fine, and I had a good half hour, 35 minutes with him. Well, the man was watching that show, and the man that saw that scene of me falling over the desk was a man by the name of Johnny Carson, and eight weeks later, he created a character called Karnak the Magnificent. That was me. So you debuted with that nickname? Well, no, I didn't. I did. He uh, he uh, he uh, uh, saw the incident and created Karnak. He created a character called Karnak, and it was modeled after me. And 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 uh, by the way, the last show that I did with because I was still doing the Carson show occasionally. The last show I did with him, uh, I said to and, and the public knew he was going off the air. I'd heard he was going. I said, Johnny, uh, all these years, 88 some shows of you, you've been very good to me, and you've never let my audiences forget me, even when I wasn't wasn't on. And he says, oh, the mighty Karnak, huh? <laughs> so you can't erase your past, Jeremy. Can't erase it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've been the inspiration for quite a few projects in Hollywood. Yeah, there was a movie called... Uh, uh, the, the Tom Hanks movie. Do you, do you, have you heard? Did you hear about that movie? Yeah, in, I heard. In, I heard all and, about uh, it. It's living in living color, and 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 John Malkovich plays me in the movie. It's not a biography, but you got to understand uh, that. Uh, let me tell you the story when Hanks when they were making the movie. Uh, because uh, John Mal- Malkovich is a brilliant actor, of course. But so it wasn't. A, it wasn't my life story, but the character in it. Uh, who was this mentalist? This character was based on my 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 life, and it's a part of my life, and what have you. So, opening night, we're at Broadway, and uh, and uh, we go we walk on the on the the red carpet and all that jazz, and we get to the other end. Hanks comes over to me, hugs me, and says, "Creskin, thank you for letting my son play your road manager in the movie." He says, let me tell you the good and the bad part of making the movie. And I want to tell you, Jeremy, I'm thinking to myself, bad party. Hanks is not that kind of person. What could he be talking about? I said, okay. He says, the good part is that Malkovich watched endless movies and videos of you to get your mannerisms down and everything else down. I said, okay. He says, let me tell you the bad part. He says, you know that handshake of yours? And you know I have an unusual handshake uh, uh, Jeremiah, you've probably not seen it, but it's been imitated everywhere. He said that Malkovich, for three days, decided he wanted to rehearse the handshake. It shook hands with each of us for 10 minutes each day. We needed a chiropractor every day because my handshake is a very energetic one. And he said it drove them crazy. He had to even get the handshake down. <laughs> <laughs> Can you describe the handshake for us? Well, it's very, very, very energetic. My hand bounces up and down like anything, and it's not an affectation. I've been shaking hands like that since I was uh, seven, eight, nine years old. It's just that I get energy from people, and when I and I and I, I get a kick out of it because sometimes agents and, and investigators will say, "Oh my God, Kreskin, we're not going to be able to handle a weapon anymore because of what you just did to our arm." This is just my. My, you know, I'm an energetic person, uh, uh, Ryan. I, uh, I'm 86 years old, and I still, for 50 years now, I run uh, 20 minutes every night. I jog every night for 20 minutes because I, I'm, that I think best when I'm in motion. That's just my natural way of doing things. I, I don't have drugs. I don't drink. Probably if I were working with certain people in broadcasting, one of whom I don't want to mention, I don't want to offend him, I'd probably have to drink heavily. I'm joking, Jeremiah. I'm joking. <laughs> By the way, I want to tell your your I want to tell your I want to tell your listeners this, folks. Hear me folks. And I mean this sincerely. Sometime when I'm in the area, I'll I'll definitely come on with Jeremiah. It'd be great to meet him in person. But folks, I want to warn you, I dare not read his thoughts in person. <laughs> All right, sure. Yeah, I have skeletons in my closet, Kreskin. <laughs> I like skeletons. That's what makes life interesting. <laughs> well, and of course, the name of that movie was The Great Great Buck Howard in 2009, starring John Malkovich, Colin Hanks, and yeah, uh, Tom yeah. Hanks as, as well. And then, uh, is it true that there's a motion picture that is based on your life that's in the works as well? Yeah, you know, you know, Jeremiah, what it is, it's... Uh, 
Uh, I, I, my life's been an adventure, and now that it's been learned, there was, there's been 86 crime cases I've been involved in. In the book, do we have a few minutes more, uh, Jeremiah? Do Absolutely. We have a few minutes? Yeah, go ahead. In the book, uh, uh, the, adventure, the, the Adventures of uh, the Amazing Kreskin, uh, there is, uh, th- th- by the way, I did, did it with a very fine artist who drew, and we'll get the book to you before we speak the next time. We can That way we can talk about the book more. But uh, an artist drew paintings in the book that are very, very graphically well done, beautifully done, because it's a professional. And and uh, one of the scenes, I've been, call, I've been called in on crime cases, but uh, one of the scenes uh, in all my shows around the world, in my my live in-person performances, I have a feature. I'm the only one in the world that does this. I turn my check, my fee for the evening, over to a committee of strangers from the audience. If it's a university, it's four or five students. If it's a corporate affair, if it's a public show, they pick people by chance from the audience. They must be people I've never met before. I hand them my check, and uh, of the of the six of them, two of them escort me from the theater. If it's bad weather outside, we go into a private room where the everything, the sound is turned off, and there are witnesses, and the ushers take us there. If it's an it's an outdoor state fair, and some of my outdoor shows have been ten thousand, twenty thousand people, they usually have a trailer off the stage, and they take me into the trailer, and the windows are all barricaded, and I'm in there and cannot see what's happening. While I'm in, out of sight, the committee hides my check. Anywhere in the entire theater audience, Carnegie Hall was four balconies. Uh, state fairs is sometimes twenty thousand people. When they've hidden it, they return to the stage, knock on the door, and I'm brought back out. And the committee verifies that I don't know where it was. I didn't hear anything or what have you. I don't ask any questions. No, it's not a guessing game in any way, shape, or form. I pick one or two people from the committee and ask, tell them. Just concentrate on what you've done, but don't say a word to me. Just concentrate. If I don't find my fee, if I don't physically find it, have it in my hands, I forfeit my check. It's returned to the organization that booked me, and the entire show is for free. It's a hell of a way to make a living. I've done this or over 3,000 times in my career. I failed... I've, I have failed 11 times. The most famous was in New Zealand because one night I failed. I was at a theater for a week. The money We turned the money over to a crippled children's hospital, and I lost in one night $51,000. Yeah, but you've also, you've also made a lot of that money back. <laughs> yeah. Jeremiah, but in the book, there's a scene, a, a painting. And when people turn to that page and people are buying the book, uh, the book, the book three days ago in, in two days sold 55 copies, uh, by, by mail. And you, you can get, you can go to, by going to, uh, www.creskinbook.com. But in the book, there's a picture. And the picture graphically reveals, shows something that happened to me. In one of the places I was performing, it was a, it was a university and it was an old theater. You know, a lot of old theaters years ago had booths uh, in the balcony off the edges where you could sit in the booth with your family or six or eight of friends you rented. And that way you're looking, you're over the audience, but you're looking at the stage. And they're very, a lot of them were more expensive. They were kind of classy things. Now, I'm going to go through this theater to find my chick, and I find myself in the balcony. And I find myself walking towards one of the booths. I'll never forget this incident as long as I live because in normal life, I would never do this. I went into the booth and there were uh, maybe six or eight people sitting there and there were rods attached to the booth that extended maybe four feet over the audience because they had lights on them aimed towards the stage. It was an old theater, so they had to add artificial lighting further. Something in my mind, and I would not let this happen again, Made me think of those lights at the end of the rods, but they were extended from the booth. I, Jeremiah, reach over the booth, climb over the booth to reach for a rod. Now, I'm one story high over an audience, and I fall out of the booth and start to plunge towards the audience. The audience starts screaming, and a man in the booth 
sitting near the, in the front of the booth, reached and swung his arm under my tuxedo jacket, believe it or not, caught my belt, and there I hung, swinging back and forth. I could have broken my neck, broken my back. That man saved my life. When the emergency squad came through and carried me to the stage, I almost couldn't walk. After 20 minutes, I got a broom and said, I'm going to finish the show. This year, crazy. I went out there, and at the full theater, only eight people had left. They waited to see how I would be and come through it. But it's one of the experiences of my life that, of course, when you see the picture of my hanging over a booth, knowing that I could have fallen all the way, these kind of things even I couldn't foresee, Jimmy. Jimmy. Yeah, absolutely amazing. So is this an ability to read minds and when did when did you first realize you could do this Kreskin interesting uh, I'm asked more and more about this Jeremiah when uh, let me let me give you a little bit of background I had a hero when I was a kid a great influence in my life it was a comic book I was five six years old I couldn't read my mother would read to me the comics and the comic was Mandrake the magician now Lee Falk wrote another comic called The Phantom. These were major, major comics, popular in the 1930s, the Second World War. After the war, there were many movies made and what have you. Mandrake wasn't a magician so much as he he had uh, uh, hypnotic abilities, telepathic abilities, and he would solve crimes and what have you. And I, when we would go out and play uh, cops and robbers, I wouldn't play the the robber. The I, I wouldn't play the cop. I would play Mandrake and apparently used my hypnotic abilities to solve the crimes and things like that. And that became my focal point through the years. Then, in third grade, uh, I was nine years old. It was third grade Lincoln School. Miss Curtis said to all of us, you're not going to go out and play. It's raining outside. Uh, I'll teach you a game to play. So she sent someone into the hallway it was Jane Hamilton. I remember I had dinner with her a few years ago, and we were in kin- we were in grade school all the way up through the grades together. She said, "Jane, go out in the hallway and just wait there." So she handed us a bean bag and said, "One of you put it in your desk." We each sat at a desk and had a little we had a little desk in front of us with a little panel in it. So we put a bean bag in one of the desks. She calls Jane in and says, "Jane, walk around. When you get near it, your 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 friends will say your your classmates will see you're getting warm." When you're not near, you're cold. If you're real close, you're hot. Hot and cold is the game. She's, we're walk, the person's walking. She's walking around. We're shouting, and she finally finds it and has it. I got so obsessed. I wanted to play that game, and I wasn't picked. So now it's after school. Well, that thought, we'll back with the amazing Kreskin, author of uh, The Adventures of the Amazing Kreskin, the world-renowned mentalist with us here tonight. I know what you're thinking on Into the Parabnormal. If you're listening on the Parabnormal radio app from TalkStream Live, thank you for putting us on the list of most popular shows. Download the app at TalkStreamLive.com and listen to Into the Parabnormal 24-7. back to the story without delay with the amazing Kreskin, who uh, I believe in school is playing this game, 
and uh, he was ad- addicted to it. And and so please continue, Kreskin. Well, I saw the game played in the classroom, but I never got to play it. We played it only at one time that rainy day. And I'm walking home from school. And I had a blessing when I went to school, to kindergarten, first grade, second grade, all the way up to high school. Uh, we, I, we, didn't get a, we didn't get a ride to school. We walked one mile to school. Walked in the snow and everything else. Just the way, if you visit, as I have, South America and perform in the Scandinavian countries, hey, we went to school in the heaviest of snow because they had a feature. They had a feature which enabled them to go to school. They had clothing that they could wear that was winter clothing. So why? And, and going, going to school, we had snowball fights. We met other people. We ran through snow and what have you. It was a wonderful, wonderful way of meeting and continuing meeting with people. So I'm now walking home from school. My brother's not home. He's visiting my grandparents, and they were from Sicily. They didn't speak much English. I loved them dearly. She was a, a, a chef in royalty, but now they're living in New Jersey. I said, let's go over Grandma and Grandpa's house. We get there. My grandfather built the house with his own hands because he was in construction. They lived upstairs. They rented the downstairs. I said, Joe, take this penny, hide it upstairs. Penny or a nickel. He goes upstairs. I'm waiting outside. He finally comes down and calls me and says, he says, I hid the penny. I hid the penny. So listen to this. I walk up the steps, slowly up the steps. I walk into the kitchen. It's an old-fashioned kitchen with a potbelly stove. My grandmother didn't know what was going on. She didn't speak that much English. And I walk quietly across this big kitchen, go through this drapery into my uncle's bedroom. He's at work. And I walk up to this chair, because I'm, 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 I'm only uh, uh, nine years old, I'm short. I come up on the chair and find myself, Jeremiah, reaching behind the, the curtain rod, and I felt the penny. And here I had found the penny. And when I come in back in the kitchen, I realize that I forgot to tell my brother to talk to me. Nobody said to me, you're getting warm, you're getting cold. Nobody said a damn word to me. And I started performing in, third, in fourth grade, fifth grade. By sixth grade, I'm doing shows in, in, in the city, in, in New Jersey, and what have you. And by ninth grade, in high school, I do a full two-and-a-half-hour concert in which my, um, I perform a one-man show. In all my performances... My feature is, as I said, my check is hidden. If I don't find my fee, I don't get paid. Imagine what happened a few years ago at a university, and they're ingenious. I come back into the gymnasium because the place was so crowded. It was family weekend. They couldn't get everybody in the, the theater, so they said, we're gonna, we'll, we'll put the gymnasium together. We'll put a rug on the floor and all that jazz. So the place is packed with, I guess, visitors, the, the teachers, and the students. I walk in the gymnasium. I practically fall over someone because a lot of them are sitting on the floor. I stop in front of this elderly gentleman. I thought maybe he's a a parent. I had him stand up, and I said, sir, would you open your mouth? Jeremiah felt like a jackass. There was no check. I, I said, sir, I'm sorry. I walked away from him. I found my way back to the stage. I said, someone else on the committee, you're going to have to concentrate. I can't do this unless you concentrate. This other person volunteered. I said, okay, concentrate. I'm walking through the theater, and suddenly I froze. And when I say I froze, I thought, what the hell's the matter with me? I can't seem to move. I turn around. I'm facing the same gentleman who's sitting on a bench, uh, uh, the same gentleman I had stand before. I said, sir, stand up. If I embarrass you, then I'll forfeit my fee, we'll return it, and the show's for free. Would you open your mouth? He did. I said, does this have anything to do with the roof of your mouth? Jeremiah, I will never forget this as long as I live. He reached in his mouth, took out his upper plate, and handed me my check. Wow. Yeah, that, that's it's an amazing, amazing trick, except it's not a trick, is it, Kreskin? No, it has to do with my intuitively picking up the vibrations, the thought path. And if the person, by the way, Jeremiah, and it's happened on a couple of occasions, uh, where if the person does not concentrate or thinks of the wrong place, then there's no way on earth that I could do it. And, 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 uh, and yet, uh, another show at a gymnasium, I came up to a man, uh, it was also university, I came up to a man in a suit, and I lead him to the stage. And I said something about a gun, I thought, that's an asinine remark, he's obviously he's not a policeman, he's a, probably a teacher, he's got a suit on. I turned him to the audience, I said, do you mind if I open your jacket? 
He said, if you're careful, I thought, that's a weird remark. He opened his jacket. Jeremiah, he's a plain clothesman. He's wearing a shoulder holster. I said, can I grab your gun? He says, if you're very careful. I pulled out the gun. I would never do this in, in regular life. I turned the barrel of the gun towards my face. They had taken tweezers and shredded the check and fed it down the barrel of the gun. So you you found it uh, because of of someone basically allowing their brain to work that way. You have been stonewalled yeah. though in some cases, though, right? Well, let me tell you, let me tell you what threw it. And I and I had a meeting with the head of the university, uh, and I'm not going to mention the university when this took place. It's a very popular one. I uh, went through the theater, and I found this envelope on this person, and the check was not in the envelope. And I said to the committee, I don't understand. Where is the check? They said, we don't know. I said, what do you mean you don't know? I said, Creskin, we hid four or five of them, so we don't know which one had the check. That was not legitimate, and that was not honest. They had to have a clear picture of what we I have found this, by the way, in medical conventions on women, and I can't describe exactly where because I don't want to end up with censorship on the Jeremiah show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I want to know, does the $1 million offer still stand to anyone who can prove that uh, this is just a bunch of hullabaloo? Well, the offer is simply this. People are imitating things with electronic devices today, and let's not go into it, but they're out of control. Uh, I am going to be writing about not not the performers who use electronic devices, but about the use of them in our lives today because our privacy is going down the drain. And then the other thing is that performers have hired people or had people pose as stooges or as, as genuine volunteers and what have you and so forth. And I have a simple offer now. To anyone who can prove I have ever in my entire career, and I'm talking about from day one when I was performing before my teens, you could ever prove that I employed paid secret assistants or confederates or used hidden electronic devices, I will pay $1 million. And it's very interesting, Jeremiah, nobody in any part of the world, and I've performed everywhere, has ever challenge me and try to achieve that money because they will be in trouble for accusing me of such. Okay, let's look back on some of your predictions. Uh, on the Jimmy Fallon show, you predicted the 2012 winner of the presidential election, correct? Well, let me let me tell you the story about the 2016 one, which of course was the uh, the the first uh, uh, you know you, you know who ran for office and so forth. But I got the reason I got to tell you the story is. I, uh, uh, everybody knew, if you looked at all the surveys, I tell us to college students, I tell us university students, for God's sakes, whatever you're studying, don't pay attention to surveys. Do not listen to surveys, because people, when they're asked questions, often do not answer it the way they intend to in the future. They'll sometimes enter and answer it the way they think that the answer is wanted, or they may change their mind in the interim. And everybody knew in uh, in you know 2016 that that Hillary Clinton was going to win it was all known you look look at all the you should look at all the references and everything like that and i had a funny feeling something was bothering me and i said wait a minute i'm going to uh, it's it's only a few weeks now before the election it's it's a last minute i usually send my predictions out a month or what have you and i never announce ahead of time the predictions because then people accuse me of being involved in the political position i never announce ahead of time so we met and the head of a of a major multi-million dollar uh, uh, women's clothing store in New York City, it's off Broadway, uh, heard about it and said, I'll put Creskin's prediction in the in the uh, my window. I'll have a guard sitting next to it. And I have the safe. Uh, in fact, I used it for the last election, the, the, the most recent one. So in 2016, they put the uh, they put the uh, uh, you know the envelope in the safe, and the guy the guy's guarding it there, and what have you, and. Uh, and then the, the, that night, the, the night after the election, uh, I'm being picked up by a car and driven. And I said, how come this is at nighttime? He said, well, I, we're, we're going to broadcast this on the Internet. I said, not just the local station. I said, no, no. Uh, the, the guy, the, the, the news guy wants to do it on the Internet. I said, what's going on? So I come in. 
True story, by the way, and you folks can look this up on my webpage, AmazingChristian.com. I go in the studio. He says, hello, Christian. I said, yeah, uh, I thought we were going on live. He says, yeah, we're going on live. We're going to be heard all over the all over the country and outside the country. I said, what do you mean? He says, don't you know about Fox Television? I said, what do you mean? I haven't been on recently. I've been on a lot, but I not recently. They said, don't you know what they discovered? I said, I understand what you're saying. They said, you, Kreskin, were on in Washington, D.C. on a news show one year ago this last election day. So it was a year ago this year. I said, yeah, I was performing at a, uh, at a, a, a nightclub there. They said, and you don't know the interview? I said, what do you mean? It turns out I I had gotten some bad news about a relative in my family that was very close to me. It was only an hour before the show, and I was preoccupied. I never announced ahead of time who was going to, who I believe is going to win the election. I'll seal it away and what have you. I'm on the air, and they're interviewing me. I'm telling them about what I do in my performance. My check will be hidden. I'll be reading people's thoughts. And the one gal says, Kreskin, one year from today is election day, you know, who's going to win the election? And I looked, they played it on the air. I'm saying, oh, well, you know, I've been in his, I performed in his apartment. I performed in his home. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to mention the name, but he's crazy. I mean, he's wild. And, uh, and uh, he's going to win the election. And obviously, I'm talking about Donald Trump. And Jeremiah, I swear to you, as God is my judge, I swear to you, because I've seen the thing, it's on, it's on my computer now, I do not remember saying it. I was so preoccupied that my unconscious came through, and here for the first time in my life, publicly, one year ahead of time, I announced the winner of the election. Well, it's very interesting you should say that, Creston, because just last week on the program... Uh, actually, it was the week before last, two weeks ago, we talked about voices of the unconscious or uh, basically the flip side of the conversation. So it sounds like uh, we had a we had a real life one of these coming through. You know, you know, I want to tell you something and I we could talk about in the future. I, I had an office for eight years with a clinical psychologist. and I could tell you some fascinating stories. But we're not listening enough to our inner self, and I think you understand what I'm talking about. We're not paying attention as much to what people say, nor are we stepping away and doing what people did for centuries and decades, reflecting on what was said. We're so used to a device that we keep in our pocket and put to our ear and get an instant answer that we're losing our ability to communicate with others. Yeah, that's true. We need to get off of our devices, I guess, and... uh Pick up a book, like Adventures yeah. of the Amazing Kreskin, right? <laughs> yeah, and you know, Jeremiah, when when I come back on, we'll talk more about some of the criminal incidents in the story where I was almost murdered and how I pulled through. And, and so now there are some people who said, "Gee, that that didn't end the way I'd like to see it." And I'm only joking. I still got to laugh at myself, even with Jeremiah there. And I know Jeremiah's not drinking, but you know what's great about him? He doesn't have to drink. And I mean that as a compliment, Jeremiah. <laughs> yeah, I don't. That's actually true. I don't. So you're you're. Listen, I wish I want to tell you. I want to tell you something. I wish you great success. I wish you great because I like the flavor of what you, of your show. It has a different bend to it. And don't don't change it because you don't want to be a, one of the hundreds of play playovers that we're hearing endlessly people are not paying attention as much you have a refreshing quality about your show i know you've made some predictions like for hundreds of years to come but i think the big one is when is this pandemic going to be over well you have something very serious which i've held back upon because i'm being interviewed now all over the place about what's going to be happening in the future and what have you i uh, believe that there are forces that would like to keep this pandemic going, not a half a year, but a year longer, if not a year and a half longer, because of the incredible amount of money that's being made behind the scenes. Folks, if you believe this has all been coincidental and so forth, let me just say something right now, because I don't live in the past. But uh, I have just moved, and part of my movement is the, my library. I have over, over 8,000 books. I'm constantly being sent to books to review and what have you. And if we only studied history, we, as I said before, we would learn more from history. I think one of the most powerful weapons that has ever existed 
in human history is this pandemic, this disease. It has been made into a military weapon that has paralyzed much of the world and successfully. And by the way, bear in mind, folks, just bear in mind when you hear of the riots and what have you, surely you must know by now, I could introduce you to college students that were invited because they were out of work as performers. They're going to college. Come with us and we'll pay you as long as you're prepared to create a riot and do some disturbance and what have you. Don't think that these things are spontaneous. There's a percentage in every one of those riots of people that are being paid. And I have a list of names. If you had pictures of some of the riots, you'd start saying, hey, I saw, I saw these two gals in the other riot and what have you. This is not spontaneous. This is far from spontaneous. The, the trucks that have the signs in them, some of them were put together three years ago because multimillionaires paid for those signs to be used in riots. So just understand that what you hear and see what's going on is not just, and by the way, I thought it was brilliant that to protect us, that our, our all-know-it, all-wise, blessed, holy politicians, you know, closed down so we couldn't meet in churches, we couldn't meet in theaters, we couldn't meet in restaurants, so forth. We closed down the supply. We had to narrow down the amount of people that could gather. Unless you were rioting, then there was no limitation on the amount of people that can riot. Yes, I have some commentaries to make. I'm going to be interviewed in the near future for two and a half hours because they said, Kreskin, somebody, you have an insight and, you, and what you wrote three years ago in a book about what could happen this past year in the United States and the rest of the world has taken place, except you did not know that a disease would be part of the, part of the tool. That's what I have to say right now. And I'm going to say something, Jeremiah. I never say goodbye, but in the spirit of broadcasting, let's just say to be continued. How does that sound, Jeremiah? Yes, to be continued for sure. Kreskin, is there anything left on your bucket list? Because you've, you've lived quite a life. Yes, Jeremiah. And the next time we speak, I intend to put together a show that you'll be able to access on TV. It'll be from my home to your home because so many people cannot go out. And it's going to be a very intimate experience, 45 minutes. Uh, I'm limiting it to 40, 50 people. I, one one. A broadcaster said, I've almost sold out and gotten tickets for the, when you name the time. And I said, all right, well, we'll name another date also. But in this performance, I'm going to devote 15, 20 minutes to teaching those who are watching and participating how to use their inner mind and tune in and live with the problems, the challenging going on and out and still somehow benefit by getting a second opinion and that second opinion is going to come through their unconscious mind. That I'm going to share and help train the viewer. What an amazing show tonight from an amazing individual, the amazing Kreskin tonight. It was such an honor. Thank you. And to be continued, my friend, to be continued. I'm Jeremy Scott from the cold, dark depths of a secret dungeon somewhere deep in the remote Pacific Northwest. We'll talk to you next time, friends. Good night. today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.